this right now can hear by faith and can see the, the glory and the beauty and the goodness of this chain of scriptures that are in your Bible translation. Um, I'll introduce it with one paragraph and then I'll just read this set of scriptures. I won't quote the verse. You'll recognize them. Uh, for, just for, for brevity, I won't quote the verse. But I assure you, all of this is pure scripture. Let me introduce it first. The scriptures in Jesus have made it plain that God's own people are always slow to believe what the prophets have, spo have spoken. Therefore, while the scriptures plainly declare Jesus Christ Savior of the world, the majority of God's people have never believed him. But he has always had a little flock, a remnant, who have remained true to the truth. The early believers believed quite differently from modern-day believers. The early believers believed in the bold promises and statements found in the scriptures. Modern believers have been seduced by 2,000 years of traditions of men which make the word of God of none effect. Let's look and see what the early believers saw in the scriptures and then discover the state of unbelief of the present-day church. Christ, to whom and in whom and for whom all things are all things, will reconcile all things unto God. He makes all things new. Hence his work is the restitution of all things. He is the heir of all things. In him not only all nations will be blessed, but even every family of the earth will be blessed. For the Father has given him authority over all flesh, to give to whosoever was given him eternal life. And so all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord, since the Father has given all things into his hands. Therefore, contrary to popular Christian opinion, we do not find billions in a hell cursing God, but we find every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him who sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. We find every knee of things in heaven and earth and under the earth bends to him and every tongue confesses him as their Lord. And we know that no one can confess Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. For God, whose counsel is immutable, whose attitudes toward his enemy is love unchanging, will have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, and to all to come to repentance, and to shut up all into unbelief in order that he may show mercy upon all. For of him as source and unto him as end are all things whatsoever, and he has therefore put all things under subjection under Christ's feet. And so we are assured that God will gather into one all things in Christ, and his grace comes to all men unto justification of life. So Jesus, knowing that the Father has given all things into his hand, promises by his cross to draw, literally drag in the Greek, all men unto himself. For having, as stated, received all things from the Father, all that was given to him shall come to him, and he will lose absolutely no one. But if any stray, he goes after that which is lost till he finds it. Despite the fact that so many of God's chosen and elect believe God's hand is too short to save, God's hand is not too short to save. He comes in order that all men may believe, that the world through him may be saved. His grace brings salvation to all men, for he takes away the sin of the world, gives his life for its life, and, become, and because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, he gives life to the world. 
is the light of the world, is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world, is the savior of all men, destroys the works of the devil, not only some of them, abolishes death, puts his enemies under his feet, including death, is manifest to put away sin, and thus subduing all things unto himself, the context clearly showing this subjection to be conformity to himself, does not forget the dead, but takes the gospel to Hades, of which he holds the keys, for he is the same forever. Thus even the dead are evangelized. Thus are all made alive in him, for Christ finishes, completes his work, restores all things, and there is no more curse, for the creation is delivered from the bondage of corruption, and so comes the end when Christ delivers the kingdom to God, who is then all in all, because all God's enemies are defeated, the last enemy being death, not eternally live, being endlessly punished. That, my friends, is the good news to all men. That, my friends, is the glorious gospel of Paul. That, my friends and enemies, is the victorious gospel of Jesus Christ, Savior of the whole world, loser of none. I want to read to you a couple paragraphs from a man who the church at the turn of the 19th century considered a, a, a great enemy to Christianity. I identify with that enemy because I was just like him before Jesus redeemed me. Let me quote you his words. Who can estimate the misery that has been caused by this most infamous doctrine of eternal punishment? Think of the lives it has blighted, of the tears it has caused, of the agony it has produced. Think of the millions who have been driven to insanity by this most terrible of dogmas. This doctrine renders God the basest and most cruel being in the universe. Compared with him, the most frightful deities of the most barbarous and degrading tribes are miracles of goodness and mercy. There is none more degrading than to worship such a God. Lower than this, the soul can never sink. If the doctrine of eternal damnation is true, let me share the fate of the unconverted. Let my portion be in hell rather than in heaven with a God infamous enough to inflict eternal misery upon any of the sons of men. Who wrote this? The famous Robert G. Ingersoll, famous atheist who wrote Heretics and Heresies in 1874. I identify with this man because when I was an atheist, and I was an atheist for 37 years, the teachings of the traditional church are what turned me away from Jesus Christ. I could not reconcile a God who said that he was love, a God who told his constituents to overcome their enemies with love, and then for him to do at the end of time what the traditional church taught that he would do to most of mankind. I was born in Nuremberg, Germany. My mother was Lutheran. My father, my mother married a, a military person later uh, when I was six or seven who was Catholic. I was introduced to God through eva Evangelische Kirche, church, and Roman Catholic Church. And by the time they got done with me, I wanted nothing to do with Christ. And I became an atheist. 
It was not um, Satanists and atheists that tur- and, and uh, secular humanists that turned me to atheism. It was the teaching of the church. I could not reconcile a God of love, a God of justice, a God of holiness, with the kind of God, the turn or burn God that I was experiencing in my childhood and experiencing in my adult life. I did not come to Jesus Christ because Billy Graham, uh, I followed, decided to follow the Roman road. God sought me and God converted me on Valentine's Day, 1985. I wasn't looking for him. He found me. And it was the most glorious and grateful and joyous day of my life when God the Father revealed to me personally that he loved me and that I was his son and that he would cherish me and keep me forever and that he would keep my friends forever, that he would keep my family forever, that he would even overcome my enemies with love. And that God, that father, my father, commanded me to overcome my enemies with love. God is love. A love that never fails. Not for one soul, not for a billion souls, not for a hundred billion souls. Love never fails. And so I say to you, my atheist friend, who is right now without hope, I can't give you my faith in God because that, that faith that I have was, was a gift through Jesus Christ. Uh, I didn't earn it. I didn't beg for it. I didn't hit the altar for it. It came sovereignly by a divine act of God. And I'm grateful that I have it. Faith is a precious thing that as an atheist you can't understand what it is. Revelation, you can't understand it until you've been divinely given it. And then when you've been given it, you just know. So I can't give you my faith, but my dear atheist friend, my secular humanist friend, my friend out there who has been turned away from God because of what you heard in church and what you heard from the TV preachers, God is not like that. And I want you to know that the original Greek and Hebrew scriptures do not teach a God like that. The scriptures of the Jewish and Christian Bibles teach Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the Savior of the entire world. He told his disciples to overcome their enemies with love, and that is exactly how he is going to overcome all of his enemies with love. You may be estranged from Jesus right now for many circumstances. Maybe you had terrible childhood problems. Maybe you had a terrible father and you can't relate to a loving father. Maybe you have had a legalistic uh, father, uh, torturing, judgmental kind of uh, image of God preached to you in, in, in your teenage years. And so you can't relate to what I'm saying. But I tell you this. God is love. And he will draw you. Jesus was sent to draw all mankind unto himself. And the parable says that he will not give up until he finds the last soul, the last son. And maybe, sir or ma'am, you might be that last son. Maybe you have been hardened by the church. Maybe you've been hardened by the circumstances of life. Maybe you've been hardened by the, by the misery that you see all around you, the sin and the death. 
and you've been God-hardened. But I assure you, one day, love will find you. And when you meet love, you cannot resist. It's the power of the universe, and it will find you. And you will be at peace, and you will experience great joy. And I hope that it happens to you like it happened to me.